0: Hello, welcome to The Known Podcast. I can't wait for you to meet my friend Jen today. She's a wise and loving friend who uses her gifts so well to serve her family, her students, her church, and her friends. Today she's going to openly share about her relationship with God and how she sees Him in everything these days. Do you ever have a word of the year? This is something Jen and I both talk about today, and I'd love to hear what yours is. Just comment on the website, Instagram, Facebook, whatever way you prefer to communicate and by the way i am so excited and encouraged by how many of you have already subscribed and started giving feedback thank you so much if you aren't already following just go to mandymcd m-a-n-d-e-e-m-c-d.com and you'll find links to your preferred podcast provider instagram and facebook so please follow like share and comment and it's really helpful if you leave a review. It helps me to know what you want more of, and it also welcomes other people into our fun. Also, I just really like hearing from you, so talk to me. <laughs> Without further ado, here's my friend Jen.
1: Hi, I am Jen Lane. I am 42 years old, and I'm a mom of a little boy named Dean who is 11 and a half. I'm married to Marcus, who I have been with for 20 years, 20 and a half years actually, this month. Um, We've been married for 13. Yes, let's go with that. Um, (laughs) And I have worked in theater for my entire adult life. I'm a stage manager and arts administrator by trade, and now I am an adjunct professor at both the University of Montevallo and Stanford University and i also lead the production team at my church which is cultivate church
0: well you do a lot of things
1: i do i like to stay busy (laughs) and you're a cat mom i'm a cat mom i have a cat named charlotte who just turned two she's delightful
0: (laughs) so the title of this podcast is known and the reason it's called known is because i believe that everyone has a story that god has given them because of that, he wants it to be shared. So what is your story?
1: It's funny because I started thinking and praying about this as soon as you approached me about doing one of these. And the word that I've kept coming back to is unexpected. I oh. know. So as you know, I pick a verb or a word every year just to represent my year. And mine always happen to be verbs. And this year's is build. And for a long time, I thought maybe I'm supposed to build something, not necessarily structurally, but maybe (laughs) metaphorically, I don't know. And I've realized in the last couple of weeks that what is being built is me. (laughs) And I think it's really cool to be a woman this age because you're able to look back and see how God has lined your steps up exactly to be where you are. And you're far enough into this thing called life to figure out kind of what his purpose is for you. And that's been hitting me in the face for the last several years. Um, And it's really cool to see how so many unexpected things have lined up to be exactly what my purpose is in life. All right, so
0: why do you think unexpected is your word?
1: I think that when I was younger, I had these grand dreams and big expectations. One of the things that my husband and I talk about all the time is how much time we spent daydreaming as a young couple. Uh, Even when we were just dating, not engaged or married or anything, we talked about what's next, what's next, what's next. And I think that as people who train to be freelance artists, which we did, you know, actors and stage managers don't necessarily work for one company for their entire lives. So it's from one gig to the next gig to the next gig. So in a way, once you book a job, you're always thinking of what's next. And for us, it's like, great, we're dating. So what's the next logical step? You know, and once we realized that we were it for each other, it's like, great. Well, when are we going to get engaged? Cool. When are we going to get married? Cool. When do we want to start a family? And we kind of, you know, up to that point, checked all the boxes of what we wanted to do. And then things started to take some really interesting turns. We moved to New York City and lived there for the better part of a decade. And that was never on my radar ever. Mm -hmm. Even as a theater person, I never expected to end up in New York. I had never even been to New York before my last year of grad school. And then when I went, I've never felt more at home in a place than in New York City, because I think it matches my energy. Of course, it's the hub of the theater world. And it was just a really cool kind of special time to be there. But we knew that that was not going to be home forever. We knew that when we started having kids, we wanted to get out of New York because we didn't want to raise a family there because it's really expensive and you don't have a lot of space. So once we found out Dean, our son was on the way, we started looking for jobs. And teaching jobs were kind of where it was at for us. My husband was teaching at a community college in Brooklyn at the time. He was actually the head of the department there. And I had done some shows on Broadway. I had worked a lot in regional theater and off Broadway. And so teaching made the most sense. And after several interviews, Montevallo won. So we went from New York city to a little town in the middle of Alabama. (laughs) I don't know how much more unexpected you can get than that. (laughs) I had not driven a car in seven years. Oh, wow. So I had to relearn, you know, how to do that. We went from basically living in an apartment the size of our closet here to a two-story, three-bedroom house. And well, what do you do with all this room? And so it was quite an adjustment. And, you know, it's funny because they talk about how you can have traumatic Experiences in your life like having a baby is a traumatic experience, and it is. I mean, it's a wonderful experience, but it can also be very traumatic. Life changing absolutely like everything changes moving away and starting a new job or leaving a job. And we kind of did all of those things at once. <laughs> and so, the first few years that we were here were all about evaluation because. I had gone from being at the top of my game in the place that everybody strives to be as a theater person to being a stay at home mom. And I was not very good at it Mm. because, like we talked about, you know, I always like to have a lot of things going on. And we came here, we knew nobody. And it took us a long time to find a church where we were comfortable. It kind of took us a long time to put down some roots. But I was set on a path at that point that has led me to exactly where I needed to get. And I mean, I'm still on it, but it's been a really interesting 10 years.
0: One thing I want to back up to, which was something little you said, but I think a lot of us moms can relate to that. You said you went from being at the top of your game in your business to being a stay-at-home mom, and you weren't good at that. Why do you say you weren't good at it?
1: I just felt really confused all the time. I felt like nothing I did was right. I felt like no matter how much time I spent playing with my baby, it wasn't the right way, you know? And of course, as a new mom, you don't know how to do anything. I mean, I had never taken care of another human like that, you know, and you worry that you're going to screw them up from the minute they get here, I guess. (laughs) Um, But I always felt like maybe we didn't spend enough time in the yard or at the Mm -hmm. park and we didn't have a pet then. Well, was that bad? Was I not teaching them empathy? And one big reason, and this leads into another big part of my story, is that when Dean was 15 months old, we found out we couldn't have any more kids. Yeah. And I'm an only child which I enjoyed growing up, quite frankly. I really liked being <laughs> an only child and I really liked being an only grandchild. Um, yeah. I was an only grandchild on one side until I was 25. Wow. Um, and I didn't mind it so much, but my husband has a brother. Mm-hmm. I see their great relationship. They're very, very close. Uh, we already had a nephew by the time Dean was born, his a year older than him. And I just really wanted that for him. I wanted a sibling for him and I wanted to have more kids. Mm-hmm. Um, the plan was two or three. And finding out that we couldn't have any more was, I mean, it was devastating, you know, because that was part of my plan. That was a, right. another box that I was going to be able to check. That wasn't and I felt like I was disappointing everyone. <laughs> but um, but it's funny because I read something in a devotional a few weeks, uh, not a few weeks ago, it's been probably about a year or two, that says sometimes your biggest heartbreak turns out to be your biggest blessing. Mm-hmm. And that has definitely been the case for me. How is that? I am an Enneagram type two. (laughs) You are too, So I know you understand that. If people are not into the Enneagram, type two is the helper. Yes. And we literally exist to take care of other people. It makes (laughs) us happier than anything else, which is so funny that I think I was a bad mom. Um, Because literally I live to take care of people and be needed and pour love on people. Um, and it's funny because since finding out that I couldn't have more biological children, just looking around, Mm -hmm. I would say now I probably have close to a hundred (laughs) children who are from about the age of 18 to now going on 30 because (laughs) our, our students are our children. I mean, you know, my husband has been a tenured faculty member here. He's in his 11th year going into it this year. I've been adjuncting here for this will be my fourth straight year to go through. And this is our family. And it's so interesting because there's been people who've needed us in a lot of different ways. Sometimes they need us a lot while they're here and then they go off into the world and they're okay. Um, sometimes we get them and they don't have a family life to speak of Mm -hmm. and they need parenting. They don't just need their professors to come in and mentor them and tell them how to do a career in theater. They need somebody to tell them how to manage their money and to tell them Mm -hmm. what to wear on a job interview and just to tell them that they're loved and they're okay. And God has really led us to do all of that in the last 10 years. And that was a really unexpected blessing that I don't think we would be able to do as well as we do if we had more kids. Right. Yeah. Trying to raise
0: tiny people. Your, your person's still little, but he's not a tiny person anymore. Right. It kind of cuts out on pretty much everything else you want to try to do.
1: It does. <laughs> it takes a lot of years. Yeah. When he was little, I mean, you know how it is right now. I mean, we're doing this during your son's nap time.
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) And I remember that when you put that kid down and you start running because you maybe have an hour and a half to get about 95 things done. Exactly. Yeah. And adding to that would have definitely made it to where, you know, now that Dean's old enough, he can come to events with us. And understand that he actually did a show at the university where we teach last spring. (laughs) And that was one of the most special things that we've ever done as a family. It was really cool. (laughs) You were all three involved with the show? All three of us were. Marcus directed it. Um, I was around mentoring my student stage managers and helping out however I could. Because all of the stage managers that I teach, you know, are students there. And so I was supervising them. And the dean played a small role in the show. (laughs) so the whole family was there. That's fun. While we're talking about
0: theater, I
1: don't want to stereotype
0: anyone, but the theater world isn't really known for being a hotbed of Christianity. (laughs) What is it like, first of all, just what's it like being a Christian in an environment that can sometimes rub up against your beliefs?
1: It's difficult. It's very difficult, and it's something that you have to choose to do every day, you know, my prayer every single day on the way to work is that God's light will shine through me Mm -hmm. in whatever way that means. I will say you become desensitized to some things because whereas, you know, bad words and adult situations and things like that may have shocked me at one point, they really don't anymore because I've heard a lot of them, you know. (laughs) Um, But I think it's part of my job to make sure that people are prepared for the world Mm -hmm. and, and this specific field. And sometimes that means, you know, we may have to do material that we don't necessarily want to (laughs) do. Um, but you do, you make that choice. I mean, if you, as a Christian artist, don't want to take a role that would cause you to compromise your beliefs, then you don't do it.
0: Right. Have you had opportunities to share the gospel for lack of a better term? I mean, I know the way that you live your life around your students and around your colleagues shows what you believe on a regular basis, but have you ever been able, have there been times when you have been able to actually share the gospel?
1: Yes. Now I can't, of course, do it in my classroom. Sure. Uh, well, at Sanford, I can't. Sanford is a Christian university. Mm-hmm. It's a Baptist university. And so, I mean, I pray with my classes there. We do devotionals all the time, that's which great. is really cool. In mm-hmm. my career prep class, my pastors come in and talk to them. So that's really neat. Um, but at Montevallo, where I teach, you know, that's not, it's a public university. So that's mm-hmm. not kosher. That's to. Do right. sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You're mm-hmm. an alum. Um, but what I did do is last year, I led a small group. Mm-hmm and invited my students. And I was like, I hope one person comes. Well, 23 people came. (laughs) Uh, I was like, this room's not big enough. Um, But it was cool because I don't feel like I tricked anybody. I mean, they very well knew that it was a small group sponsored by a church Mm -hmm. and that we were going to figure out what we wanted it to be on the first day. So the first day we brainstormed and it was interesting because my kids that don't go to church were the ones that wanted to delve further into Christianity Wow. and to look at, well, how do I read the Bible? How do I pray? How do I do a Bible study? How do I do this? And that was actually really cool. So, you know, we talked about how to start reading the Bible regularly. Several of them visited church with me. A couple of them have started coming regularly. Um, and I mean, we also looked at things like time management and, They had a wonderful discussion about dating as a millennial, and I sat there and was horrified. Uh, I would not have done well in the world of online dating, but that was a really cool way to do it. I felt like there was a need, and I really felt a calling to do that, and I was very pleasantly surprised. Again, it was unexpected that just sitting down having coffee for a couple of hours on a Saturday morning led to me being able to teach people how to pray and to encourage them to pray for one another. So that ended up being really cool. I love that. Is that still happening? It's gonna happen again in the fall. Do you wanna talk about your health? Yeah, we can talk about my health. So the reason that Dean is an only child is because when he was six weeks old, I was diagnosed with polycystic kidney disease, which was not really a surprise, but it still was a surprise. Uh, my mother has the disease when she was about the age I am now, things started to go downhill for her. Mm -hmm. What the disease is, is, um, a lot of people have heard of polycystic ovarian syndrome, Yes, but not a lot of people have heard of polycystic kidneys, but it's essentially the same thing. We have fluid filled cysts all over our kidneys. And as they grow, your function decreases. Mm -hmm. Um, my mom has it. My grandfather had it. My mom's youngest brother and his daughter both have it. And his daughter's nine years younger than me. Mm-hmm. And she and I were, I think we were diagnosed a, within about a year of one another. And we have the same doctor, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So when I was diagnosed, I was 31. And both my obstetrician and the nephrologist, the kidney doctor that I saw at the time, told me, you know, it's going to be risky for you to go through another pregnancy. And if you want to, you're going to have to be done having babies by the time you're 35 but know that you will be on pretty much immediate bed rest. And I was like, no, thank you. (laughs) Um, Because it's scary. It's scary to think about putting my life in jeopardy when I've just had this baby, Yes, you know, and taking myself away from the child I already have just, it seemed almost greedy to go for more. And I mean, some people do it. My cousin has two kids had two very healthy pregnancies. Um, But I don't think that was the way that, it was supposed to turn out for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that has been something that really, once we got it under control after Dean was born, I was okay for a long time. And then when I was about 36, I went to the doctor, I gained a lot of weight. I was in an absolutely horrible toxic job mm-hmm. and I kind of medicated myself with food. Yes. as many of us do. I'm definitely an emotional eater yes. and I love food because I'm Southern. Um, <laughs> and so, I mean, I would sit at my desk and eat an entire box of cereal or a 64 ounce bag of pirates booty. And mm. you know, it was just bad stuff. Right. And I went to see my nephrologist for my annual checkup and she was like, you have got to lose some weight and you have to do it now because you're going to put yourself in kidney failure. I was like, Oh crap. So <laughs> That's that. Right, I was like, fantastic. So I went back to the office and cried. And a girl that I worked with had actually just started um, as a health coach, and she got me, you know, on a program. in fact, that's how we met. Yes, um, it was our first support group of sorts. Mm-hmm. And that worked really well for me, just learning how to eat in a clean way that was good for my body and adding in daily exercise that was a big game changer and so for the past four and a half years things have been much much better Mm -hmm. um my pkd is under control i'm still stage one and i go to the doctor in about a month for my annual checkup and hopefully things will be good right so
0: stage one does that mean you have it and it's under control basically
1: Yes, I'm almost asymptomatic. The only symptom I have is high blood pressure.
0: Is that something that can be
1: cured? Nope, there is no cure right now. However, my cousin is on a trial drug right now. Normally, we're too healthy for drugs. Right. So she actually went and had had some growth in her cysts and in Mm. the size of her kidneys. So she qualified to be on this trial drug. And this is supposed to reduce the size of the cysts. That would be huge. Yes. There is something that slows it down that you can be on. But last time I went to the doctor, I wasn't even far enough advanced that they could put me on that. Well, that's good. Which is Mm -hmm. totally fine. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, here's the thing. I understand. I mean, I've seen my mom go through it. She had a transplant two weeks before Dean was born. Wow. And I was far too pregnant to travel and be there you know, to experience it firsthand, mm-hmm. but I was around when my uncle had his, he actually had his at UAB. So I was able to be there the day he had his. And I understand that that very well may be my future. If it gets to that point, I hope that I'm lucky like them. And God sends me a live donor. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of emotions that go along with that too, yes. you know, but right now I've been given the tools to take care of myself and mm-hmm. I will take the best care of myself that I can until i'm not able to
0: what advice would you give to somebody who is a christian trying to navigate a non-christian environment where they work
1: set boundaries for yourself if you need to and reevaluate them constantly figure out what you've got to do to put food on the table and figure out how far you're willing to compromise and know yourself well enough and be confident enough in your relationship with the lord to know that if you have to turn a job down because it goes against your beliefs that you're going to be okay. I think something that people have to keep in mind too is that in theater, it isn't your story, you know, but it's a story that needs to be told. And you may be playing a character that's very different from you, who talks different from you, has a different lifestyle, but those stories still need to be told, you know, because for somebody that's the step in the light, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You tell a story that's not your story but it's important Mm -hmm. because somebody needs to hear it
0: can you recall a turning point in your faith
1: oh yeah definitely when we first found cultivate which is where we go to church now the very first day (laughs) i will never forget it sometimes i just go sit in the chair that i was sitting in to think about it um but I remember going in a friend of ours had invited us several times and we had tried so many churches and it just, nothing felt right. And so I was like, let's just try it. Jenny has been inviting us. Let's go. And so we went in and she was so excited that we were there and she dragged <laughs> us to the front row. I'm like, <laughs> Let's just sit right on the front row. And I remember really liking the music and noticing that they had really good lights. <laughs> and then I remember like a ton of bricks hit me in the head. And I heard you're home. <laughs> and then I cried for like the next three months that we sure. went to bed. Just because so many things started happening so fast. It mm. was like, I was reminded, <laughs> Hey, guess who's in control of this thing? Um, <laughs> and it was just kind of a slow, long moment of surrender mm. that felt so good. And during, we started going there in January of 2015, And by March of 2015, I had decided to leave the toxic job Yes, and had kind of a direction of what was going to be next, which was, again, very unexpected. Um, But everything was okay. You know, it was scary, Mm -hmm. but I knew that it was going to be okay. And I went back to something that I hadn't had since probably before college. And that was, for lack of a better term, a structured relationship with the Lord. (laughs) Sure. Because before that, it's like, well, I'll pray when I need to. And if I hear something cool and if I see something cool, but I just became very, very aware of God in everything. Mm. And we really found what we had all been craving so much. And that was a a family, a community. Mm -hmm. And it's really, I mean, we've really kind of bloomed where we were planted to use a cheesy term. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's funny because I avoided serving, in church for a long time because i'm like i do not want to do your drama team i don't want to see your children's play i've left churches because they handed me a children's script i'm like no that's what i do for real life i'm not doing it in church and so i got there and they were like, hey, what do you guys do for a living and we've actually had people walk away from us in church when we sit theater because like, oh, you practice the dark arts you know uh, but we said, oh, well, we both, you know, we teach in the theater department at They're like, Oh, you do theater. Awesome. You should meet Kevin. I'm like, I want to meet Kevin. Um, <laughs> like, yeah, Kevin leads our production team. I'm like, I definitely don't want to meet Kevin. <laughs> so I avoided Kevin for almost eight months, <laughs> which is pretty impressive when you think about it because the church <laughs> wasn't that big. Um, and then I finally met him. And he was like, hey, can we have coffee one day? I'm like, oh, here it comes. He's like, I just want to show you how we do it in the booth and see what your thoughts are. I'm like, do not ask me to come in that booth. He's like, I want to promise. Just look at this piece of paper. I'm like, great. So he shows me. And then I was like, no, this is wrong. You need to do it like this. Because you're a two. Right? I'm like, here's how you, well, what's funny is he's a one wing two. Um, <laughs> So we kind of compliment each other. So we had a long discussion and I was like, you know, it would probably work well if you implemented these changes. He's like, well, would you be willing to just stand in the booth and watch? <laughs> I'm like, okay, I will stand there, but I'm not talking to anybody and I'm not touching anything. So I went and I did, I stood with my back against the wall. I didn't introduce myself to anybody and I just watched. And we have three services at our church. And by the third one, I was like, okay, look, <laughs> I was in, and a year later, um, I kind of stepped into a leadership position on our team, and it's like my whole brain makes sense now, and I'm mm-hmm. mildly embarrassed that i resisted for this long, but it's like, of course I should serve in production, right. because those are the gifts that God gave me, and that's what I should do with them, you know, and it's very separate from what I do at work. It's mm-hmm. scarier because it's for Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> So what you said
0: about you're embarrassed that you resisted for so long. I don't think you need to be embarrassed. I think that he does give us gifts, but it's not always the right season for our gifts. And possibly if you had said yes, when you just weren't feeling it, you would have been too burnt out from doing it then to be where you are now. So I think that's something we all need to hear sometimes.
1: Oh yeah. And his timing is so different from ours yes. and a lot of time he's making room. Yeah. And that's what was happening in my life is he was making room because mm-hmm. something else needed to clear out before I could wrap my head around helping lead a team. I needed time to learn the culture of this church mm-hmm. and to settle back into my relationship with God before I was ever going to be able to lead other people in right. this way. You know, I've been an adjunct professor for a long time. And my prayer <laughs> is that I will get a full-time gig. Yeah, at my job one day, you know, that I will go full time. And I really feel like that's a promise that God's made to me. And that's a big thing to say out loud, but it just feels like it's something that's going to happen. And for a long time, I was so frustrated because every year would pass and they wouldn't approve this position to go full time. Right. And I would get so heartbroken about it. But now I see that it's because he needs to make room for something else. Mm-hmm. And in the past three years, it's been because I needed to be at Sanford for one class a semester. Right. someone there or some situation there needed something that I could offer. And every time I've taught a class there, there's been someone or something that I can see. You know, my mm-hmm. favorite meme of all times, because you know I love my memes, uh, <laughs> is the one, it's a big tree. And it says, before Zacchaeus couldn't see Jesus, the tree was already planted to meet his need. Aww. And it's so cool, I think, again, being at this point in life to look back and see the trees start to bloom Mm -hmm. and go, oh, I remember when that seed was planted. Okay. Mm -hmm. Or wow, that seed was there, you know, sprouting all along and I never even knew. And now I see this full blown tree in front of me. And that's a pretty amazing thing to be a part of. I love that a little while ago
0: you said um, you started seeing God in everything. Yeah. And then a few minutes later. You're talking about all the places that you've seen God. That's cool.
1: You just have to wait for it sometimes. And waiting is hard, but it's so, so necessary because that's where you go through the building stages. And so once I figured out what the word build meant for this year, I kind of got excited because I'm like, okay, well, what are you doing? And <laughs> if this is the building phase for me, you know, what's going to be on the other side? What trees am I going to see next?
0: What in 2019 have you seen built or you can tell is being built or are you still waiting to find out what that means?
1: In a way, I feel like I'm still waiting. Last year, my word was inspire and that was a big one. That's a Mm -hmm. lot of responsibility when your word is inspire. (laughs) Um, But that was also one that I saw immediately. I knew the minute I got the word, I knew about a minute later exactly what it meant. Right. And I was able to live that out every single day. And that was really cool. Mm -hmm. Uh, Um, build has been one that, like I said, it was probably late May when I figured out what it meant. And I was like, Oh, that's not at all. What I thought it. Um, and it's funny cause I can't, I can't decide what it means. Mm-hmm. I've got to wait and be told, you know, yeah. it's interesting that I'm seven months into the year and I'm still like, Hmm, okay. Um, but it may be one of those things that hits me in the face, you know, in the next minute. And it's like, Oh, that's what you were doing. <laughs> If you know the song, New Wine, have you heard that song? Mm, maybe. It's a great song. Um, and it says, make me a vessel, make me an offering, make me whatever you want me to be. And that's kind of where I am right now. I'm just wide open. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever it is, I know it'll be okay. So I just kind of want to go with his timing and see where he puts me.
0: Do you remember what my word for this year was? Known. Known. And now we know why. (laughs) Kind of a big one, huh? (laughs) Kind of a big one. My bachelor's degree from the University of Montebello was in communications. Right. And I worked in television and radio for about eight years and thought, why am I here? This is not for me. I was really excited about this and I don't, I'm just floundering. So I went back and got my master's in education. And I taught for several years and now I'm at home with Blake and I've still just felt like, why did I get that bachelor's degree? What, what in the world am I supposed to do with that? And then this word known kept coming to me. And then this whole thing just started happening. And it's like, Oh, you've been building for lack of a better word. Yeah. This plan all along. And I'm really excited that you're letting me in on it now.
1: (laughs) I know that's the best when you're like, Oh, (laughs) <laughs>
0: All those little puzzle pieces start coming together. It's really something. So I have one final question okay. that I will ask everyone who I talk to. Because of your story, what do you know about God that other people need to know also?
1: He always knows what's best no matter what, and I think it's, I know it's cheesy to keep going back to the words of the year, but I mean, that's really been what's shown it to me because this is the fourth year I've done it and my words have been listen, reach, inspire, and build. They've all been verbs and every single year he has shown me so much when I just needed to sit still and listen he knew that that's what I needed. And he showed me so much that year. When I needed to reach, it was time to crawl out of my shell and you know, start leading a team at my church. When it was inspired, it was time to put myself out there and lead a small group and expand myself as a teacher and expand you know, my arms as a mother figure. There was a lot that year. And then this year, it's time for me to sit still again and mm-hmm. let him build me until he tells me what's next. So he's always in control. He knows what's best and it will all happen in his timing.
0: I can't wait to see what your word for 2020 is. Me neither. I
1: started thinking about it yesterday. Oh, I wonder what it's going to be.
0: Isn't she great? I've known Jen for over four years now and I feel like I understand her in a whole new way. I really appreciate her honesty and generosity with what she shared. You need to go to the show notes. I'm going to add a link to a PKD site if you want to know more about this disease or how you can help. I'm also linking to the song, New Wine, that she referred to. It's one of my new favorites now. I absolutely love it. I just love how the Enneagram was brought up again. I'm telling you, it's a really useful tool. I'm also going to link to my favorite Enneagram websites and people to follow. We covered a lot in this conversation, so you probably know somebody who can relate to some part of Jen's story. Invite them to listen. Share the episode, leave a review, find me on social media, and tag your friends. That helps get the word out to a lot of people. Of course, don't forget to subscribe so you always know when there's a new story available for you. I'm just so grateful to Jen for spending time sharing her story, and I'm so, so grateful to you for being here to listen. So I want to leave you again with this blessing from 1 Kings chapter 8, starting in verse 59. And may these words of mine, which I have prayed before the Lord, be near to the Lord our God day and night, that he may uphold the cause of his servant and the cause of his people Israel, according to each day's need, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord is God and that there is no other. And may your hearts be fully committed to the Lord our God, to live by His decrees and obey His commands as at this time. Amen.